Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first ever Voices of Forestry podcast. I'm your host, Seth Stevenson, the Communications Specialist with the Arkansas Forestry Association. And with me today is the AFA Executive Vice President, Max Braswell. Max, how are you doing today? Great, Seth. I'm glad we're getting the opportunity to do something new here at AFA, and uh, we're going to have a great conversation today. Yeah, I'm excited. This is uh, this is very new to the Arkansas Forestry Association, so uh, we'll uh, we'll get into the conversation here in a bit. But if you've ever visited Arkansas or lived here, it's a safe bet that you've seen our beautiful forests. More than half of the state is covered in trees, and forests are a major part of Arkansas's history, culture, tourism, and our overall economy. Today, Max and I are going to be giving you an introduction to the Arkansas Forestry Association, what exactly we do and why we do it, and of course, during the course of our conversation, we'll touch on some of the misconceptions that exist about the timber and forest products industry. Some of they may be opinions that you actually have about forestry. So Max, we're going to go actually ahead and hop right into it. Just tell us a little bit about AFA. Well, uh, and excited to do that, Seth, and I hope as we talk, we can weave in the story is sort of what we do, why we do it, and I think that's going to bring us the opportunity to talk about maybe what what we perceive that other people perceive about forestry and, and talk about some things like that. But the Arkansas Forestry Association was organized back in 1947, so we've been around a long time. We're the only private nonprofit association that represents the entire private forest industry in the state of Arkansas. And that industry and that sector has a significant impact on the state from an economic perspective, uh, from an environmental perspective, from an aesthetics, uh, natural beauty uh, perspective. Uh, So forestry is a big deal here in the state of Arkansas. The primary reason that we exist is to advocate on behalf of that sector. Now, for a guy like me from DeWitt, Arkansas, advocate is a big word, but basically we do public policy work. We try to work with our community to shape public policy in such a way that they can be successful at what they want to try to accomplish, whether that's growing trees, harvesting them to make the 5,000 products that we utilize every day, or actually the manufacturers out there that turn those trees into things like uh, toilet tissue, uh, note cards, copy paper, uh, furniture, home building materials, all of those types of things that we recognize on a daily basis. And I know that's one of uh, the big aspects of your job as the executive vice president. I know you're, we're just a couple blocks from the Arkansas State Capitol, but you're down there quite a bit talking to people, trying to uh, get some of these issues resolved when it comes to forestry here in the state. That is a big part of what I do. Um, it's my primary responsibility, and we spend a lot of time at the Capitol. We spend a lot of time talking to members of our state legislature. There are 100 members of the House of Representatives, 35 members of the Arkansas Senate. Uh, they're going to be having a fiscal legislative session coming up in April of this year, uh, and then in 2021, we'll be back to our regular session, and AFA is there just about every day during the session. But advocacy work, when it comes to a sector like forestry, means that you might be talking with someone in a local community one day, a county judge. You know, uh, we, we spend a lot of time in rural areas of the state, and so we work with county judges a lot to make sure that we're abiding by the rules and regulations as we travel on those county roads to move that product from the forest to the manufacturer. Uh, One day we might be talking to a state representative or a staff member, and then the next day we might be talking to a member of Congress 
like a, a representative Bruce Westerman, who's the only uh, professional forester in Washington, D.C. working for us. So it, it runs the gamut, uh, but it is the primary reason that we exist. And now uh, some of the other reasons why we exist, if, if you will, um, education. That's a big part. We've got the uh, um, Arkansas Forestry Association Education Foundation, which is uh, another big part of what we do. Absolutely. We, th- advocacy is number one. But our members, and, and that, that group encompasses about eleven to 1,200 people across the state, they depend on us for a number of things. Uh, they want us to take a look at the issues, uh, take a look at all of the information that's generated on a daily basis about forestry that might impact their lives and, again, their success in doing what they want to do. Uh, and they depend on us to kind of filter that for them. There's just so much of it out there. They want AFA to take a look at that and then communicate to them the things that we think that that they will be interested in and that would be important to them. So that's one of the other things that we do on a daily basis. Um, they want us to take a look at those issues and anticipate uh, and look into a crystal ball, so to speak, and, and really relate to them what we think is going to happen down the road. Everyone always wants to know well, what, is, what is going to happen in the future. What are timber markets going to look like a month from now, uh, six months from now, a year from now? So they want us to try to anticipate the issues that are going to be important for them and to already be working on their behalf on some of those types of things. And then, as you mentioned, education is such a key uh, when I started in this industry back in 1990, all of a sudden, it's been that long, um, we were talking about communicating our message, telling our story. And that's why we're sitting here today, because we want to have the opportunity to do that. And so through our Arkansas Forestry Association Education Foundation, we have the opportunity to administer a lot of different programs, and that's where we really tell our story um, in a number of venues that could be working with traditional educators to introduce programs like Project Learning Tree into the classroom, which meets our state educational standards here in Arkansas. Uh, it could be going out and doing a variety of, of workshops for landowners to educate them on everything from timber tax uh, laws to how they can do prescribed burning on their property or combat invasive species. So education and public outreach um, is the primary reason that we have an education foundation. And working together, we can do uh, what we think is a lot of good work for the forestry sector and then ultimately the entire state of Arkansas because no one that I know of and that you probably know of doesn't come into contact or appreciate our forests on a daily basis. I'll be honest, I started uh, about a year and a half ago, and in that time I've come to realize that trees are a crop, here in Arkansas especially, just like rice is in the northeast, or uh, soybeans or anything else like that, but you don't really think about them being a crop like that um, until you kind of sit down and talk to some of these people who are doing this for a living. Well, actually, you know, that, that's a great point. We think of Arkansas as very much an agriculture state, and we're, we're familiar with the traditional agriculture products. I grew up in southeast Arkansas, rice and duck country. Uh, we grew that rice. We grew those soybeans. We, and, and every year, harvesting season was a special time, a special feeling, 
never thought really a thing about it, really took it for granted. Um, and I was much like you back in 1990. I had lived here all my life, a lifelong Arkansan, but never really thought about our forests and how they fit into the overall agriculture picture uh, in the state of Arkansas and what they provided to us. And, and so, you know, we see trees, though, differently than we see any other agriculture product, at least in my opinion. And you've probably come to, to realize that as well. Uh, a soybean plant, a cotton plant, rice plant, it just doesn't have the same um, feeling, a tug at the heartstrings almost. We love our trees. Everyone grew up with a favorite tree. They remember swinging on a porch swing or on a, on a bag swing or something along those lines. They remember their walks in the woods. And we certainly appreciate that as well. Um, and we deal with that perception that we're losing our forest somehow in the state of Arkansas. But in fact, we're growing so much more fiber today than we were 5, 10, 15, even 20 years ago. We have about 19 million acres of, of forest land in the state of Arkansas. That's over a million more than in the late 70s. So we've added a million acres of timberland to the state. Um, and particularly in the south part of Arkansas, where we see these magnificent pine forests, trees are grown more as a crop because pine grows quickly. We utilize it, and then we go back in and we reestablish it. Uh, so it is treated a little bit more uh, like a crop, although a slower-growing crop and one that uh, takes that landowner longer to get their return on. You know, we plant rice and soybeans and, and we get the return every fall when we harvest. It may take uh, 25 to 30 years for a forest landowner to fully realize that initial investment. So um, trees are so appreciated for what they bring to the state, but for uh one of our primary perspectives, they do provide a, a source of income for the people that we represent, which allows them to continue to sustainably manage their properties. They, we, we know we've met folks that have been uh, that had family forests for well over a hundred years, and over that period of time, they've probably planted and harvested and replanted and harvested three or four or maybe even five times in the forests that they own are even more vibrant and healthy than they were a hundred years ago. And so really that's what sustainable forestry is all about. And that's what we're all about promoting at the Arkansas Forestry Association. So you bring up, bring me to my next question really with, with the word sustainability. Um, that's a huge topic in this industry. Um, can you just explain why the growth here in the timber industry is actually a good thing for Arkansas? And um, is it really green for, you know, sustainable forestry? And man, that is absolutely one of the most important conversations that we're able to have these days. Uh, sustainability, we, we use that word and we hear that word in a lot of different contexts and in a lot of different venues. Um, Consumers want sustainable products these days. Uh, we hear sustainability and we think about, you know, a lifestyle or, um, again, a particular product. For us, when we talk about sustainable forestry, 
Um, and again, back in 1990, there was another term that I heard, which was sort of perpetual use forestry. Uh, it, it basically means the ability to grow our trees and grow our healthy forests um, and continue over a long period of time without sort of any degradation to the quality of our forest health out there, to continue over a long period of time to get all of the things that we want from our forests. And that is certainly clean air and clean water. It goes without saying, the products that we get, but we also want to enjoy our aesthetic beauty, recreational opportunities for a guy like me, wildlife, um, all of those types of things we expect and we deserve to get from our forests. And our approach in 2020, um, and since I've been in this industry and what I hope to be you know, at least another 10 years or so, uh, what we want to achieve is that continued sustainability and health of our forests. So that's what we mean when we mean sustainable. We'll, we're able to go out there, plant those trees, see them grow, uh, harvest them when it's time, get value from them, and ensure that we're replenishing uh, that forest and keeping it healthy and growing. We're actually, you know, Seth, we're growing in Arkansas 60% more pine fiber and hardwood fiber than we're using every day. So think about a deer population, a deer herd population, or, or think about um, food in your pantry. If you put 60% more food in your pantry than you're using, than you're eating, at some point in time, that pantry is going to get pretty crowded. That deer herd is going to get pretty large. And so think of our forests the same way. We're growing 60% more fiber every year than we're actually utilizing. So any... Um, notion that we are losing our forests in Arkansas, across the South, across the United States, it's simply not true. Um, absolutely, we're concerned about what happens in our rainforests and other parts of the world, but we don't, we, we don't do things like that here at home. And so that's one of the things that we can be really proud about, but we need to be able to communicate that to folks out there. So basically what you're telling me, going back to the forest or the pantry uh, kind of analogy metaphor, is that it's okay to cut trees. Because, you know, if I have too much food in my pantry, I'm going to run out of space and be in trouble with my pantry. So is it kind of the same way with forests and trees? If we have too many forests in the, or sorry, too many trees in the forest, does that crowd things up and cause problems? Actually, it, it does, and it, it's, it can become a real problem. Uh, forests that get too dense um, provide a lot of different opportunities. Um, it, they, they become a veritable buffet line, so to speak. We're, we're using a lot of food yeah, analogies yeah. We, today. It's, it's not even close to lunch yet, actually. <laughs> yeah, but I didn't have breakfast. So anyway, so, so let me use another food analogy. They become a veritable buffet for a lot of bad things, insects, uh, disease, and fire, to name three. Um, I, I, I show um, a lot of young children, we kind of go through an exercise where I draw a big circle in chalk on the ground, about the size that a big tree uh, about how, how wide or the circumference of a large tree. And I ask as many of them to get in that circle as possible. And I remind them that, hey, you guys are five, six, seven years old. How would you like to grow up to become an adult 
and have to stand in this circle with all of the people that are trying to crowd into it. Um, there's no room to move, is there? Uh, and, and they kind of get that. And that's the same way that our forests become if we have too many trees growing out there. Um, so you, you invite insects, disease, and fire to just be able to quickly move from tree to tree if you have an issue. Look out west to see what's happening with our forests out there and the massive fires that we've experienced in our country. Um, so that's an example of what can happen. Uh, a lot of us want to, to uh, talk about or reminisce on what we consider to be history where we had these pristine forests and really they they did exist but the the best managers of our forests were our native americans um, and they understood what forest health was and our forests didn't look like they look today uh, they were much more open there were fewer trees actually uh, they utilized fire on the landscape uh, which opens the canopy, uh, and we try to use prescribed fire today for forest health purposes um, because that, that more open canopy allows sunlight to hit the ground, uh, which means your plants can grow. What loves plants? Insects. Uh, birds come to the insects. Uh, it allows food to grow for deer, for turkeys, for quail for all of our wildlife species and they actually thrive much better in a forest that has been managed um, and is a lot less dense than we're seeing some of our forests become today. So in order to do that we need to harvest some trees from time to time and again you're you're contributing to that forest health scenario while providing a, a return on the investment to the landowner and then you're providing the fiber that we need to manufacture those 5,000 products that we use every day. So absolutely, it's okay to cut a tree, but we want to do it sustainably. We want to do it uh, intelligently with uh, a thought towards making sure that we're creating healthy, sustainable forests out there. So a lot of this stuff, um, I know we're going to hopefully cover in future episodes, prescribed fire, invasive insects, stuff like that. But I want to bring up a bit of a buzzword or buzz phrase, if you, if you don't mind. Where does climate change come into play into all of this, um, into some of these other concerns when it comes to managing our forests? Well, and no matter what you've feel about the climate change issue. And, and there's a lot of science out there that says climate change is real. I'm not saying that it's not. There are others who feel like climate change is not real. Wherever you fall on the climate change perspective, one of the best things that we can do is create healthy forests. That's a, that's a win-win right there. Um, if you feel like that climate change is having an, an impact on the fires, that we see out there, which may very well be the case, there the other factors that are in play is that those forests have not been managed properly. So again, we have created that buffet, that, that ready accessible source of fuel for fire, insects, and disease. Uh, and and if, we're, if we're in the midst of a climate change scenario, we haven't worked very well to, to mitigate that. So 
Um, so trees fit as an absolute part of the solution in the climate change conversation. Uh, we need to be planting uh, and replanting trees. Um, we, ha we don't have a shortage of them here uh, in the United States and here in Arkansas, but we, we need to be planting and replanting in a sustainable manner. Um, we certainly need to be managing in such a way that those forests are as healthy as possible. Um, in, in fact, we, we've seen um, President Trump sign on to what has been called the, the Trillion Tree Initiative um, at a global economic summit. Uh, we're, <clears throat> we're going to be seeing Congressman Bruce Westerman introduce some legislation uh, related to that Trillion Tree Initiative. Um, and all of that is very much focused on how growing and managing healthy working forests can contribute to our climate scenario. Carbon sequestration is a big part of that equation too. What, what are we talking about from a climate change perspective is carbon. Well, there is no greener scenario out there than growing and utilizing healthy forests. Trees sequester carbon. Um, even when you harvest them and you make a product out of them, that carbon is sequestered forever. It's never going to be released as long as you're building a, a building using wood, like we're seeing up on the University of Arkansas campus with their new dorms. Uh, and so we see uh, our forests, and particularly wood products, and utilizing more of them in our building as absolutely the greenest of the green products and sustainable forestry as an absolute solution um, that should be in every toolkit when we start talking about issues uh, related to climate or simply having the greenest, most sustainable products out there. So you, you mentioned the new dorms over at the University of Arkansas, which utilize cross-laminated timber or CLT, which is a, a change I'm starting to see in my short tenure uh, working in the forestry or with the forestry industry. So you've been doing this a lot longer than I have. What are some of the changes that you've seen happen over your time working with, uh, with forestry? And, and those changes um, really are pretty significant. Um, years ago, we used to talk about this paperless office. We still don't have a paperless office per se, but we have an office that uses a significantly less, or we, we use a lot less paper than, than we used to. So that's been a change uh, that, that has impacted um, and, and in fact contributed to the fact that we're now growing 60% more fiber. We simply, uh, our, our world has changed and we, we don't utilize as much wood fiber as we may have um, some years ago. So that's a significant change. Uh, I worked at a facility down in Ashdown, Arkansas, the largest what we call communication papers, what you and I know as copy paper, mill in the world at the time back in 1990. Well, we don't make as many copies as we do, uh, or as, as we used to. Uh, we, we can utilize our computer uh, much more. We see people getting an email that says, you know, don't, don't print this. Um, we hope that's, that, that people won't do that, but that's been a major change. That mill also was the largest producer of check paper in North America. How many checks do you write, Seth? 
I used to write them only once a month for rent, but now you know that I have a home, I, I don't see myself doing that nearly as often as I used to over the past couple of years. Probably between, I would say maybe five to seven years ago, and I'm just estimating, for the first time our here in the United States, we did more electronic transactions than we wrote checks. That's a significant change. I am old school. I represent the forest products industry. I pay my bills by check, but I'm a dinosaur. People don't do that anymore. They, they pay online. And so technology has had a significant impact on the paper industry. Now, it causes us to need to be much more innovative, and we continue to be, uh, but those are some of the biggest changes. One of the other changes as we get away from just paper usage, but sort of back to that forest health and how we do things, is the advent of certification programs. Again, uh, we talk about uh, are, are our products green? Is forestry truly green? And we go back to the consumer. They want green products. Well, so if we're going to provide them with green products, we need to have a way to basically prove to the consumer that, we're, that we do what we say that we're doing. And certification has been one of those avenues. There are three major certification bodies in, in the United States. The Sustainable Forestry Initiative, the Forest Stewardship Council, and the Tree Farm Program. And we're very proud to administer the Tree Farm Program here in the state of Arkansas. But, but those certifications are a set of very rigorous guidelines. Some folks might be uh, familiar with ISO certification. Um, and forest certification is very much that same way. Uh, it is a set of very rigorous guidelines that lay out a path for you to uh, grow, manage, uh, and then utilize the forests in a sustainable manner. And those folks who become certified are held to those rigorous standards. They're audited by third parties to ensure that they meet those specifications. And then if they do, they're able to put that label on the products that they manufacture so the consumer can see hey, my paper that I'm purchasing has been certified by the Sustainable Forestry Initiative or FSC. Um, but that's, that's a big change. Uh, and it's for us, it's a welcome change because it does give us an ability to show the consumer, to show the world outside of forestry that we do have some very rigorous standards, we're held accountable, and, and we can uh, deliver on the promises that we make to be a, a green sector. So this talk of products and, you know, the amount of forest land here in the state, how exactly does forestry impact specifically Arkansas's economy? Well, it's a, it's a big player in the economy. Again, we're a part of the greater agriculture community in the state, but we're talking about a sector that has about 28,000 direct jobs. Um, and and we, again, we, we talk about some changes, probably... Oh, 10 years ago, I'm going to estimate, uh, maybe not quite that far back, that number was about 47,000 jobs. So as the world's changed, it's impacted uh, us from a job uh, perspective, but we still provide about 28,000 of some of the best paying jobs in the state of Arkansas. And that's common across the sector uh, here in the United States. Um, you know, about... $54,000 a year 
is the average pay for a forestry sector job. Now that means that there are some folks who make a little bit less, some folks who make a lot more. Um, pulp and paper jobs, for instance, are some of the highest paying manufacturing jobs that you can find. People providing excellent, excellent livelihoods for themselves and their family um, at probably $100,000 or more per year. Uh, I know when I worked at the paper mill, there were a lot of boats and four-wheelers and nice pickup trucks, and I'm thinking, wow, I don't have those types of things. Um, and these were folks that were perhaps working on our, on our production lines. Uh, they may have had a college education. They may have come right out of high school, but they had a great job um, and, and it, very importantly, in a rural community or a small town. And so that's where we can see uh, a really important economic impact on the state of Arkansas. An industry with a payroll of probably uh, about $1.4 billion a year. Um, you know, a six, uh, we, we estimate about, oh, 6.3 or higher billion dollar total economic impact. To the state of Arkansas, um, and so with more of more than fifty percent of our state covered in forests and providing those jobs, providing the good-paying jobs that we have in our rural communities and in our rural state, um, forestry. Uh, you know, we're we're frankly quite proud of the economic impact that we have on the state of Arkansas. Enough so with all of the opportunities that we have out there, that um, Governor Hutchinson a couple of years ago recognized the forestry sector as one of the state's key growth opportunities. Uh, and so we, we really uh, tried to capture that, send that message out to folks that might be looking to locate to Arkansas in the forestry sector that, hey, you know, we're, we're open for business and we need even more uh, of that uh, forestry sector growth here in Arkansas. So before we wrap up here, um, I want to look to the future, if you will, for a little bit. And, you know, with all the changes that you've seen, where do you think, uh, what are the jobs of the future, actually? You know, what type of skills are going to be in demand in the forestry industry here in the next five, ten years? Well, in order to be successful, whether it's in the forestry sector or any other particularly manufacturing sector these days, we need people coming into our uh, businesses that probably look a little bit different than you might think. Uh, they need to be problem solvers. They need to be able to work as a team, um, to think creatively. Um, you know, there are jobs for all types of people in the forestry sector. Forestry actually is a very uh, science-based career. You, you can't grow trees without having a science-based approach. Uh, you can't work in a pulp and paper mill, uh, which is a chemical-based manufacturing process, without having very good math and science skills. Uh, so we're looking for those types of employees. Um, so there are jobs for accountants and computer technicians and engineers and, and folks who have environmental backgrounds. Uh, but, the, but the jobs of, um, of the future, really, and the present are much more high-tech than you might think. Uh, you know, I hope that we can talk specifically about jobs uh, with our audience in the future and really kind of get down in the weeds uh, with that. But logging jobs these days 
pretty high tech. If you've ever seen a piece of logging equipment today, uh, first and foremost, it might cost $300,000 to purchase it, uh, but uh, they're very high tech. Uh, I couldn't do it because I'm not a gamer these days. But you know, you got joystick operations. You you you've got all kinds of things, um, environmental cabs. Um, so the the programming that we see on television, where it's still chainsaws and danger, uh, that's not logging today. Uh, that's not our that's not our careers of today. Um, but but the the jobs of the future are going to take those innovative, creative thinkers, problem solvers, um, team builders, and uh, and but that doesn't mean that you have to have a four year college degree to do that. We're looking for folks that are willing to work, will show up on time, um, grow within the industry, and uh, you know maybe want to stay closer to home. Um, stay here in Arkansas, enjoy what we have to offer. Uh, but our jobs are, uh, I think, sort of a, a diamond in the rough. Uh, people really just don't know enough about what our, our forestry community has to offer. Okay. Well, Max, um, before we finish off, I want to talk about just kind of the podcast in general because you are obviously my boss here at AFA. <laughs> um, and you and I spent a good amount of time talking about Voices of Forestry, and even just coming up with the name took longer than I anticipated, to be quite honest. Um, so this podcast really is, it's called Voices of Forestry. We want to bring the voices of forestry to you, our audience. Um, we want to hear you, hear you um, or we want landowners to come talk to you about the history of their property. We want to talk about some of these more science-oriented topics like carbon sequestration and um, cloning was something I never thought I'd hear of in the forestry industry, to be honest, but it is a factor. Um, so that's kind of the plan uh, with this podcast, right? Absolutely. You know, we've done all of the talking today, and, and <clears throat> I'm, I'm a generalist, but there are no shortage of really, and I, I, I don't mean to sound sophomoric, but really cool stories to tell about forestry. And there are a lot of experts out there. There are a lot of voices of forestry that know a lot more than the two of us know. So we want to bring those uh, to our audience. And, and we'll pick some, some specific topics. We'll dive into them. We'll talk about things like invasive species. What, what do we mean when we say invasive species? You mean to tell me that maybe that tree or plant that I've either not noticed before or I think is sort of pretty actually is not a good thing. We can talk about endangered species. We can talk about water quality. Talk about jobs. Talk about logging. Gosh, we spent 10 minutes and came up with about 30 topics. <laughs> I don't know that we can get them all in, but there are a lot of voices. We want to tell the forestry story, so we hope to bring those, those folks to our audience and um, hopefully have something that's compelling and interesting for, for people to learn more about forestry today. Um, here in Arkansas um, and across the, the South, across the United States, and maybe even across the world. Well, and that's something we should probably bring up too. Here at AFA, no, we have four full-time employees, one part-time, but none of us here have a background in forestry. You went to college for college radio, or not college radio, but radio in general. I went to college for uh, broadcast journalism, 
So we want to bring these experts and professionals who, who know what they're doing, know what they're talking about. We want to bring them to the audience to tell these stories. Absolutely. And uh, again, I think, I think we've got a great story to tell. We hope folks think we've got a great story to tell as well. And, and, we, and we need folks to, uh, to be a part of that audience uh, and to embrace what sustainable forestry can mean for all of us because it's a win-win. We don't have to have a win-lose situation when it comes to our forests. We can all win and get everything that we want from our forests. But we've got to keep them working. We've got to keep them growing. Um, and we've got to make what we do uh, sustainable. Well, Max, thank you again for joining me. Yeah, it was absolutely. A short, it was a long drive, I know, from your office here into our conference room where we're recording right now. Um, but thank you for talking with me. Uh, we want to thank some guy named Rob slash Rob McCormick for the use of our theme song, The Same Love, off of his album, The Folkster. You can find more of his great music on Spotify and iTunes. And if you want to learn more about forestry and the timber industry in general here in Arkansas, you can visit arcforest.org. That's A-R-K-F-O-R. E-S-T-S dot org. And you can also go to arcandsedc.com slash timber. That's A-R-K-A-N-S-A-S-E-D-C dot com slash timber. And if you enjoyed our first episode, let us know by subscribing and leaving a good review. We want to hear your feedback, especially after this, our pilot episode. And you can follow AFA on Twitter at ArcForest, A-R-K-F-O-R-E-S-T-S. And on Facebook for updates on new episodes of the show. We plan on having a monthly monthly release starting out and uh, see how things go and ramp up from there, I think, is the plan. But I'm Seth Stevenson. Thank you for listening to the Voices of Forestry podcast. 